0: If you enjoy this podcast, please like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. And visit our website at lifebetweenthevines.com. Now, when I came out here, I thought I would be the one picking grapes. I had no idea the amount of labor involved. And you just get an appreciation for just how hard it is. Um, And it's often really cold those nights when you're picking grapes. And you leave sticky and exhausted. But you know that's just the beginning Discovering and tasting wine shouldn't be a homework assignment and we believe that the people who are closest to wine have the best stories So open a bottle and welcome to podcast number 539 this week We feature Robin Lale, founder and owner of Lale vineyards Napa Valley It was back in 2015 when I last recorded a full-length interview with our friend Robin Lale. Robin is a fourth-generation vintner in Napa Valley, with her wine family going back to the 1800s. She has seen a multitude of changes in the valley over the years, but her goal remains the same: making the current vintage even better than the last. I always enjoy my time sitting and chatting with Robin. She is the very best of Napa Valley. You can hear Robin on our Vino Lingo segment defining the term biodiversity. It's good to be here with an old friend. It's been too long, and I'm just very happy to be here on Mole Hill with Robin Lale of Lale Vineyards. Robin, how are you?
1: I couldn't be better. Thank it's you. so good to have you here, Ray. Thanks for coming.
0: Happy to come up. I always love coming up here. The wind today is kind of amazing, and uh, the sky changes every. Three or four seconds, but <laughs> I guess you're probably used to that.
1: From totally ominous to just a little ominous, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's quite a
0: storm. The wind in the trees, and yeah. So let's let's go ahead and talk about that for a couple of minutes. Where you were completely snowed in up here, from what I understand.
1: Absolutely, we were. We had about four inches of snow, and um, which is unusual. We've had you know dustings two inches before. I think this is the most snow we've had up here since we've lived here. And um, it was spectacular, so beautiful, until the clouds kind of cleared away a bit and we began to see all the damage to the trees. And so, you know, our trees, our live oaks and so forth, and um, just aren't used to that weight on them. And so the damage to the trees was extensive. And um, I'm a tree girl, love mm, trees, true. and so a bit heartbreaking. And, you know, fire, trees, water, drought, well, good heavens, <laughs> time out, you know, just can we have a time out for a bit.
0: You guys have really been hit with just about everything, and, and maybe with luck, we're coming to the end of that for a little while. But also, did you get any rain at all? Did it continue to rain? Oh, afterwards? no.
1: Oh, it's, uh, no, it's been raining. It's yeah. been raining really hard today, which is great. And, you know, never would I say I was sorry for the rain. Uh-uh.
0: No, no, no. In fact, I was here in December, and uh, that's when some of the rain started, and then I left, and the crazy, catastrophic rain happened. And so, yeah, I guess uh, Mother Nature's making up for a lot of lost time.
1: Bring it on. Yeah,
0: yeah, I get that. Yeah, And and best of all, now you can get out of the area, although I could see clearly coming up so many trees that were down, branches. And, uh, oh, we
1: Oh chapter for a while. It was a huge we were, one. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, a few people I know. There were a few people who couldn't make it to the auction to be at their lots. And by the way, I got to meet your daughter, Shannon, which I'm not so sure I've met her before.
1: Oh, you probably haven't. And um, she's one of two beauties. Sure. And just a fabulous part of our team and um, does, does great work for our marketing uh, um, activities and she's a gal who writes in such a fashion that her words stick. So if she puts a, uh, comments under a photograph of some sort on Instagram or whatever, um, you can't you can escape. I, just, I always say she's an alien from another planet. <laughs>
0: Well, let's hope not. Of course, again, you're on a mountaintop. Who knows what can happen up there?
1: <laughs> how long have
0: you lived up here?
1: Well, we've been here 27 years. Wow,
0: that's a good long time. Well, just to give a little bit of background for our listeners, and, and they hopefully will go back and check out the a couple of interviews we did some years ago, which I'm not even sure how long it's been. But uh, you have an extensive history in Napa Valley, going back to Gustav Nibam and uh, your dad, John Daniel, Jr., and... Uh, wine has been the center of that history as well as family.
1: It certainly has, yeah. It's it's a fabulous legacy and one that I I always laugh and say, Ray, that I was just born in the right place at the right time because I had nothing, obviously, to do with building that legacy, but I um, certainly have all the option to work with it and carry it forward with great pride and um, share it with our children and grandchildren.
0: Yeah, to live here and to drive by from time to time, you know, the the chateau, which is now in Nook, the name has been returned, which is nice. And to to sort of think about that history, does it, is it casual to you or is it something that does run through your head every now and then when you, you go by that part of the valley?
1: It's not casual to me in any way. Mm -mm. That's my place. That's my home. And um, I'm so grateful to Francis and Ellie for what they've done to bring everything back together and to do it with such determination and gusto and enthusiasm. Um, No, it's not casual. Believe me, Um, when I look up at Mount St. John as I'm driving down the road, um, it moves my heart every time, not in, and I'm happy to say, Ray, that it's not in a, uh, uh, oh, poor me, oh, oh, the way, it's just in a way of, it's part of who I am, sure. it is.
0: Oh, absolutely, yeah, and it's it's nice that you had this relationship with Francis Coppola as well. Yes, as, it is, yes. You know, to move forward. Uh, I want to talk a little bit of history here for a few moments about when your dad took over Ingle This is pretty much not long after Prohibition had finally been uh, gotten rid of, disposed of, trashed, out of here. That had to have been a daunting challenge uh, to, to build this brand, or rebuild it, I guess, uh, after being, in essence, absent for 13 or so years.
1: So my dad, you know, my dad was 26 years old when Prohibition ended, and he was attending the Boeing School of Aviation at Buchanan Field in, in Concord, and uh, training to become an airline pilot, and had just finished his um, B.A. or, I'm sorry, B.S. at Stanford, and, uh, you know, and his um, great aunt, who Susan Niebaum, who had raised him, um, said, I want you to come and open the winery, reopen the winery. And he did, and that was in December of 1933, so right away. Yeah, yeah. And then he right away became an apprentice, and um, Carl Bunshu was the winemaker when the winery was first reopened, and there are these fabulous photographs. Carl, had one of those faces, you know, with a nose the size of his face, and just <laughs> this fabulous features. And he made some really beautiful wines. I have had occasion to taste some of those wines, and they are still beautiful today. And um, Susan Niebaum was still titular head of the of the property, and she died in 1936. And at that time, Dad took over as owner and manager of Inglenook. And in terms of rebuilding the brand, um, there were some between 120 and 200 wineries making wine in Napa Valley before the turn of the 20th century. Right. Yeah. And following um, prohibition, um, 10 wineries reopened. So you can see that it was devastating to the wine business, probably in California, not probably, but definitely in California and certainly in Napa Valley. And um, around 1937, uh, Dad found a a lifelong pal in Robert Mondavi, who had just gotten out of school. And those two men shared the belief, Ray, that Napa Valley could produce wine second to none. And they set out to prove it. And um, as late as 1981, when I started the first auction Napa Valley, there were just 36 vintners here. Can you imagine, you know, and today I bet you don't know how many people are producing wine here.
0: I couldn't even begin to guess, do you You, know?
1: You could, but you wouldn't get it right probably. Well, I know in the
0: the association there's over 500 wineries, but that's only the association. In the Vintners, yes, right.
1: so there are 942 bricks and mortar wineries. And then when you add custom crush producers, the number goes up to 1,850 producers of wine here in Napa Valley. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's just um, stunning to me that that's the case, and it just keeps growing. So it's an amazing, this this business is so hypnotic, you know.
0: That's a good way of putting it, it is hypnotic, and obviously I'm sure you look you look back with a great deal of pride, as well as where, where you're from and where you grew up and what your dad did. Things have changed in the Valley. We talked about this last time I saw you and, and they continually change. And, and that's true of anywhere. Things change anywhere you go. But um, what are your feelings about the changes we're seeing today? There are certainly, yes, there's more wineries, there's more buildings being built. Uh, are, are you worried for the future of, of Napa? Are you just the opposite? Are you excited about seeing what's happening these days?
1: I'm a woman who likes challenges, Ray, and so this is my cup of tea all the way. I feel that Napa Valley is in a transition period, a big, strong transition period on many levels, um, some of which include the fact that we have corporations coming into the valley. We have, which isn't new, you know. I mean, no. that started happening a long time ago in the 70s, but. Um, but we also have, um, you know, people who have made collections of small to medium-sized wineries, and um, we have a lot of um, international um, owners coming into the valley. So there's a there's a very um, a very changing mix of ownership. We also have, and you know, this was forecast years ago, we have a kind of changing of the guard. So the people who have been really active in the development of the Napa Valley Appalachian for the last 50 years, many um, people are retiring. Um, some families are continuing, some families are selling. Um, so there's that. And, and then in addition to that, we have the climate. And the climate is a big issue. So we have issues in the world of drought, smoke, taint, fire, um, and increasing temperatures. Do I think we're doomed? Absolutely not. No, because this place is a national treasure. You know, it is a place of great passion. And the people who don't really share that passion seem to kind of atrophy after a period of time and go on to something else. And um, it's a changing time. Do I know exactly where we're going to land? No, I don't. I wish I, I, you know, it's just like I wish if I I could Taste my two thousand twelve hundred point wine in, you know, fifty years to see how it's doing. (laughs) And it's just not gonna work out for me. (laughs) No, it's really a shame it is, but you know, you had it now. So, you know. So it's a it's a fascinating time.
0: It is. And In your case, while we're talking about the changes in the valley, yes, there are many families whose children are buying in or taking over the wineries, and and unfortunately there are some children that either aren't there or who uh, simply don't want to go that direction. And and that's honorable because it's not for the faint at heart to be a winemaker. It's... Mm.
1: (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Like, I know,
0: right? (laughs) I'm assuming your daughters, Shannon and I'm sorry, I'm... Erin. Erin, are they both... uh, is that part of your succession plan? Are they already as involved as you are? How does that work for Lale Vineyards?
1: So the answer is it's a bit unusual, perhaps, succession plan. Our oldest daughter, Erin, who is extremely attractive and so smart, um, started a company called Honeydew years ago, which is a um, luxury property management company and a two or three years ago, uh, went into the real estate business and um, is just absolutely knocking it out of the park. And, you know, really, and her company, other companies, still exists. And she has two great kids, um, both of whom are in college. Uh, there's just no time, really. Having said that, you know, she is a fantastic ambassador um, and Erin and Shannon and I, when we go out, <laughs> when we go out to do an event together, I cannot tell you how much fun it is. It, it's the best. Shannon, um, Shannon uh, got involved in the business a little bit in an unusual way. I asked her if she would start doing our social media work for us. Um, because she has this marvelous way with words and um, so she did and Shannon among other besides the fact that she's a film producer um, is a woman that um, has a thirst for knowledge and she's a great researcher and so in doing these um, entries for Instagram and Facebook and so forth um, she started asking a lot of questions about what things meant and where we were what our position was, and so forth and on. And what happened was what started out fairly innocently has morphed into a very important position um, in leading our marketing company. She's spectacular. she's very creative and um, fresh and just just a real uh, asset. Of course, she just um, did, I think, one of her first... Um, well, it was definitely her first premiere, mm. and she did a series of tastings with our managing director. And just as I knew she would, she was spectacular. So, um, but Succession, how does that look? Well, it's um, right now set up so that um, the girls will continue as... Um, a effectively as a board of directors and then we'll have our team running the business on a day-to-day basis so that's the plan and um, you know we have wines named for every grandchild I do yes and um, now we've got a couple in college finally oh my gosh. <laughs> college so um, we'll see yeah. we'll see yeah one more thing that's really important Ray and that gets back to something you said earlier and that is that this business is not for sissies, and it's not for people who don't have a passion about it. So if there is no passion anywhere, and these girls of ours, Erin and Shannon, do have a passion for the legacy uh, that they're a part of, they just do. And I knew as they got older, you know, that it would become more important and more a part of them, and um, that's exactly what's happened, so. That's terrific.
0: That's great. Well, I think, other than the legacy, too, the lure of wine itself is such a strong thing, especially once you start tasting and you start learning, you just want to do more. It just grows on
1: you. That's the hypnotic part, right. yes. Right. That's right. I exactly.
0: I So, how long have you owned Lale Vineyards? How long has the brand been in existence? Well,
1: In 1995, I was founded um, in August of 1995.
0: I remember you told me a story about when you started it, but um, at that time, were you working off of your own vineyards, or were you doing, uh, purchasing other grapes, or how were you doing that back then?
1: Well, at the beginning, um, we founded the company in August and um, made wine in September, so it's a bit of a hustle. Mm. And um, I had emerged from my partnership uh, in Dominus which owns Napa Nook, which belonged to our family originally. I emerged with a 2.66 piece of land across the street, which sits in front of the Napa Valley Lodge. And that was our vineyard for Lale Vineyards. Um, I wanted to make, you know how things change. So I wanted to make only one wine and um, I wanted to name that wine for my dad. And I went to my mentor, Robert Mondavi, and um, said, Bob, I'd like to buy five tons of Cabernet Sauvignon from him. And he said what he always said when I asked him for something, I'll have to ask them. (laughs) And them was probably the most um, frustrating part when I would ask him while I was still working with him for a raise, and he would say, I'll have to ask them. Well, I really knew who them were, but it was very annoying anyway. <laughs> bad. And them said no. No, them said um, they could not spare five tons of Cabernet Sauvignon. So you may not recall, but in nineteen ninety five California Cabernet Napa Valley Cabernet in particular had really hit the hot part in the market. It was a hot item. It was hard to find great Cabernet Sauvignon, but um, some very wonderful friends of ours, one night at a dinner party, said, "We'll give you five tons of, we'll sell you five tons of Cabernet Sauvignon," and that was the Phillips family, yeah. and um, at Vine Hill Ranch, and we have um, been buying grapes from Vine Hill Ranch forevermore. So, that's how we started. We had these 2.66 acres of Merlot, not my favorite grape in, in um, California, personally, and um, then this wonderful Cabernet. So the first vintages were um, Merlot uh, positive, let's say 54% <laughs> Merlot in, the, in 1995, yeah. and 73% Merlot in 1996. And in 1997, we bought this property at Mole Hill, which is a vast three acres of Cabernet (laughs) Sauvignon, really rolling now. (laughs) And um, that's where we sit today with 5.66 acres of vineyard. And so over the years, Ray, it's been very important for us to build um, long term relationships with um, great growers in the business, and we've been very fortunate to be able to do that. And um, I feel very, very lucky. Would I, why don't we own more vineyards? It's simply a matter of cash, period. Um, I would love to own a couple of hundred acres of vineyard. Wouldn't we all? I think so. But. so that's kind of where we sit and how we got started.
0: Yeah. And for our listeners, my particular favorite wine is your blueprint. There's, of course, the uh, John Daniel Cuvée. Is it the J. Daniel Cuvée or the John Daniel It's Cuvée? the J. Daniel It Cuvée. is J. That's what I thought. Yeah, Glad I remembered that. Thank you. And uh, as well as you do Sauvignon Blanc. We do. And as I remember, the Sauvignon Blancs are the ones that are named after the grandkids. Is that correct?
1: Well, you're at least, you're. I'm going to give you 100%. Oh, you're very Because one of them is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the first Sauvignon Blanc uh, we made, I remember asking Philippe Melka, who's been our winemaker from day one, which is so,
0: it's extraordinary. That's why the wine is so incredibly good.
1: Thank you. You're Thank welcome. Thank you. And I totally agree with you. That's why the wine is so, so good.
0: <laughs> I, I still have some in my cellar.
1: Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. I'm so pleased to hear that. Well, it's
0: true. Uh, and sorry, I'm going to go down this path for a minute. When I first learned about you and I was able to find the wine, it was one of those knock-your-socks-off type wines. And it's not just because I like you and know you. It's because it was just darn good wine. And if you start buying wine just because you like people, you're going to not always get the best wine. <laughs> so, and it's fun to turn people on to it, though. You know Thank what I mean? Thank you. Well, we all like that, don't oh, we? Oh,
1: of course. Yeah. Of but course, sharing things is great.
0: Yeah, it is, and that's what wine is also about. But go back to where you were. I'm sorry.
1: Okay, so let's we'll go to the Sauvignon Blanc. Here. Right, yes. Here. Okay, so um, our first Sauvignon Blanc. We were making only red wine, and in 2002, we really needed a white wine to be in commercial business. You know, I'd go to do a dinner, and I'd take along. Araujo or Spotswood or sparkling wine or whatever, um, which was great, you know, it was f- fabulous. And of course, everybody just loved it. But it was a little counterintuitive in terms of building a brand. Mm-hmm. So I said to my wonderful friend, Philippe, you know, you, Philippe, I know you can make red wine. Can you make white wine. (laughs) And he said, you know, gave me kind of a wonderful answer. Yes, of course I can make a white wine. And what I didn't know at the time was that in one of his stages he had worked at Obreon and he had worked in the white wine cellar. Oh, funny. So we, in 2002, we made our first uh, white wine, Sauvignon Blanc, 100%. And um, we made it in the Grave style, so with the exception of the fact there was no Semillon in the wine, but the wine was originally fermented in 100% new French oak, and stayed in the barrels for 18 to 20 months, and then was bottled. And uh, the wines um, have an extraordinary character, and they came from this uh, small vineyard, the grapes. but not at that time. We originally bought Sauvignon Blanc from someone else. And we teabutted that Merlot vineyard in Yonville, the 2.66 acres, over to Sauvignon Blanc. So that vineyard is now the source of the wine, which we call Georgia. And Georgia oh, is the first member of the sixth generation of our winemaking family here in Napa Valley, our oldest granddaughter. So, um, yes, one of our Sauvignon Blancs. We make another now, which is a blueprint Sauvignon Blanc, which is made in a different fashion. That's right, I forgot about that. And that is fermented in 100% new French oak. However, you know, after fermentation, it immediately transfers to stainless steel, and um, then it's bottled, and usually around April, uh, following harvest. So um, that's a great wine. And those Blueprint wines, by the way, are um, named in honor of my husband, John. Sure. um, Who uh, has just recently retired as an architect. He's not really retired. Yeah, I kind of got
0: that impression. He's
1: fudging. (laughs) 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 And, um, you know, he's built over 50 wineries on the West Coast and um, designed over 100 wine caves. And i thought it would be so much fun when we started that that new um level of wine to name it in honor of his work um, which will last longer probably than my work which is very annoying again <laughs>
0: <laughs> as a matter of fact with your Sauvignon block you did do at least one premiere with that did you not
1: Yes, or a she did. Times. So that's all about another grandchild. Okay. And that happens to be George's brother, Henry. There we go. So, you know, it's great to name a wine for a grandchild and I was Erin's Erin Aaron is Henry as George's mom. I was the queen because we had named a wine for this baby. And Then she got pregnant again and had a little boy and she called him Henry. Well, now Henry is a name that is a little tricky to put on, a, a let's say, an expensive bottle of wine. It just is kind of, so kind of, oh, how are you, you good old pal. Yeah. So I tried and tried and tried to figure out a way to put Henry on a bottle of wine, and um, I just couldn't come up with anything. And when Henry was five years old, Henry was a little boy, he was a great little boy, But he was one of the little boys that, um, you know, was focused if there was a ball in the room, otherwise not so much, you Mm. know, let's go out and play ball, great. But we were taking a walk, holding hands and oh, so great. And um, Henry looked up at me and he said, Gigi can I ask you a question? And I said, sure, Henry. What? What is it? And he said, where's my wine? <laughs> <laughs> How old was he at the time? Five years oh, old. Oh, he's one okay. ahead of his time. So this runs in the family. We we now have um, Lael. Lael is the oldest of Shannon's um, grand, grandchildren, or not her grandchildren, her children, mm-hmm. and um, her youngest is a little girl named Willie. And um, we we uh, Lale's name all the time shows up so he wins <laughs> but so we started a wine for Willie um, not too long ago in 2017 I think and um, uh, she was very excited when she found out that we were going to make a wine with her name on it and she dictated a letter to, from her from her through her mom to me Dear Gigi I am so thrilled She's five years old. Yeah, yeah. I'm so thrilled that you're going to make a bottle of wine with my name on it. But Gigi, I just, I just need to ask you if I can be sure to taste the wine before it comes <laughs> out of the barrels. <laughs> That's five years old. Mm. So they're out there. They yeah. are. <laughs> yeah. They're great.
0: Well, it's good to have these kind of kids that have this kind of thinking going forward. So shows there's hope for the name to continue.
1: I I agree. So, I want to go back quickly to Sauvignon Blanc. You were asking me if we'd ever um, submitted any to um, Premier. And the answer is yes. And uh, we started making a wine for Premier called Henry. Mm. And um, that was my solution. And I got this bright idea right before the first auction that we would call it Henry the First. So for eight years we submitted Henry the first, second, third, etc., to the wine auction, and many of those many of those wines, the last five, I think, um, were all Sauvignon Blanc, and they were all all of those Sauvignon Blancs were the best barrel of Georgia. That's great. So. it was a lot of fun. But when we got to Henry VIII, it was over. However,
0: <laughs> yeah, it's however
1: you know, certain things cannot be left to lie. And so um, this year we submitted a, a new wine to Premier, which is called The Henry.
0: Ah. Oh, the Henry. And good. The
1: Henry is made from... A collection a blend of um, six different appellations, stretching from Calistoga down to Coombsville and the six Appalachians represent the six generations in Henry's legacy so lots of fun and we will make this wine commercially so oh that's was- great isn't that fun?
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. When Shannon was telling me about that, I, I was just blown away by the idea of doing six different appellations for something like that. So you've done very well. And, uh, But now I'm going to ask you a question that's going to be a, be a bit more of a challenge because um, we started this question probably about, I don't know, seven or eight years ago. And it's my favorite question to ask winemakers. I see this look on your face like, oh, no, what's this? I have no idea what you're going to do. Yeah, that's a tough one. You've done plenty of media. You've been featured in articles. You've talked to all kinds of press people, you know, for the greater part of your career. So what will be the one question that you've never been asked that you would like to be asked?
1: I'm not sure, Ray. There have been so many. I've been blessed with a a lot of questions, you know, and perhaps starting... When you did, I was fifty-five, with with not much money. Did you really think that you could somehow (laughs) recreate Inglenook? And. The obvious answer is of course not. And of course I haven't. Um, but in in uh, a <laughs> funny, I'm very rarely halting in my <laughs> I uh, On, on one level, I am, of course, short of my mark because I don't have 1,800 acres of land and I don't have a, a beautiful winery. But I think it's so foolish—this is so personal, excuse me, <laughs> it's really personal. I I think it's so foolish for me to go to that door, um, but instead rather to look at w- what I hope modestly I can say I have been successful at doing, which is something I started out to do, which was to bring the legacy of these marvelous men before me forward and to try on every level of my business to do exactly what Captain Niebaum used to say and my father after him, and that was every year we try to make a wine that's just a little bit better than the <laughs> wine we made the year before. And my alliance with Philippe and with my family, Aaron and Shannon own 40% of Lale Vineyards um, and have been stalwart partners, as has my darling husband. And um, I think we, I'm, I'm happy with what we have been able to do in this competitive world. And very proud of the wines that we have made and offered. And for me, wine is about two things, principally. The first is making magic, and the second is people. And wine serves those um, delights in my life so deeply and in such an exciting fashion.
0: That was a beautiful answer.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Ray, for yeah. asking.
0: I'm very happy.
1: <laughs>
0: well, and most importantly, the one thing I always like to ask in every single interview for our listeners who would like to learn more about you, your legacy, your family, and your wines, what is your website?
1: <laughs> com. Come and see it.
0: <laughs> Highly recommend it. Robin, thank you very, very much for your time.
1: Ray, I... Oh, I so love sitting with you. (laughs) Thank you for the honor of asking me again.
0: Learn more by visiting laelvineyards.com. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to the podcast at lifebetweenthevines.com or sign up to our YouTube channel. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Life Between the Vines comes to you from Fifth Floor Recording Company in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Produced and edited by Ray Pfister. Our host is Kay Pascoff. Our web geek is Dan Gieschen. Original music by Ray Pfister. Copyright 2023.